Welcome back to the Benedettiville podcast, folks. This week we're doing something a little different. What you're going to hear in this episode is the entirety, the full radio hour, unedited for your listening pleasure. Uh, but we're also going to be posting up some of the shorter excerpts from within the larger radio hour. So look for some Mission Impossible. Look for a few public service announcements also on the podcast stream. As always, you can find us at Benedettiville.com, Patreon backslash Benedettiville. You can find us on social media. You can leave some stellar reviews on iTunes, all that kind of stuff. Thanks for the support. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Benedettiville. It's going to be an amazing show for you today. We got Magic Beans, a giantess who is a tailor for giants, Mission Impossible, gardening of all shapes and sizes, and an exclusive interview with Petaluma's good egg, the one and only Tom Gaffey, as interviewed by Rocco Blastorius. So, without further ado, let's get on with it. But first, a word from our sponsors. You want to talk gardening? You want to talk about spectacular things happening in your yard that just might blow a hole through the fence? Like literally hole through the fence? Well, then try some of my magic beans. Magic beans! As ever, I'm in terrible dire need of cows. I need a cow so bad, I'll trade you magic beans for a cow. Three beans, one cow. That's the offer. Plant the beans, water them. Don't water them. I don't know. Shoot, they're magic. Maybe they don't eat water. Maybe they eat tuna fish sandwiches. You gotta try everything with magic beans. I'll never know what they'll do. But these people treated me cows for beans, so hey, take a listen to what happened to them. Hey, it's me, Jack. You all know the story. I traded my family's only cow for three magic beans from that crazy old guy at the market. Well, I got to climb into the clouds on a magic beanstalk. Well, that, that's pretty cool. I really do recommend the magic beans. They are totally worth the cow. I mean, for me, anyway. 
Well, when I heard Jack's story about the magic beans, I took my family's whole herd of cows to that crazy old man. We had 46 cows, so let's see, that ended up being 138 magic beans. I was so excited, even though my family, dairy farmers for generations, were pretty upset. I planted all the magic beans in neat rows in the field behind my house. Each bean grew one stem. Each stem grew one big pea pod. And inside each pea pod were three tiny, tiny people. That's 414 tiny people. They built a village behind our house. They expanded, had families. Now our house is right next to a very, very large city full of tiny people. Office buildings, skyscrapers, they come up to about my waist. Parks, roller coasters, schools, movie theaters, everything. It's pretty amazing. My family is still pretty mad. We had to go out and buy a whole nother herd of cows. <laughs> well, you see, you might end up with a city full of tiny people in your backyard. Or gold. Or, like that one nice gal, you might get some bear claws. Like both kinds of bear claws. She has bear claws on her arms, like for hands. But she also can grow bear claws like the pastry to eat it with. And then she eats it with the bear claw. It's amazing. I don't know what'll happen. It's just magic beans. That's what. Now, I'm sure that you could use one or three, and I'm even more sure that I could use a cow. So bring me a cow. Come on, don't be shy. Quit hogging all the cows. Bring a cow, and I'll give you three magic beans. Magic beans! Oh, my goodness. Magic beans. I don't know about those magic beans. Stella, Maya, what do you guys think? I mean, I would buy them if only I had a cow, but... I don't have any cows, plus, I don't think that, like, I mean, I would buy them if the results were good. Yeah, I agree with Stella. Like, if I had a cow, I might do it, depending on what the results turn out to be. But you don't know. You don't know with magic beans. And we currently don't have a cow, so magic beans aren't really an option for us. But we would like to know what to get started in the garden at this time of the year. Right, Stella? Yes. Up next, we are very excited. Well, we, you, well, yeah. Well, but, well, Gio went out well, to Green yeah. Spring Farm, right? And yeah. what's he doing out there? He is talking to the people that are at Green String Farm and he is asking them what kind of like types of things we can grow and yeah, how, that's they, so, how they work there and things. So let's go to Gio. Yeah. Hi, Gio. Uh, so we're here at Green String Farm. <laughs> because they know how to grow things here, and it's like a giant garden. And I'm gonna ask, I'm sorry, what's your name, sir? I'm Nick Layton. I'm gonna ask Nick Layton some questions. So first, Nick, um, what can people plant in their gardens right now so that they get like a nice crop at home? So right now, it kind of being the beginning of spring, um, we're doing a lot of like leafy green mixes. Um, Spinach, arugula, uh, mizuna, all those leafy greens would do really well right now. Yeah. Um, lettuces, any type of lettuce, head lettuce, um, butter lettuce, all that stuff you can you can plant right now. Awesome. Um, we have a little bit of uh, brassicas being uh, uh, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage. That's also fine to plant right now. And those are called brassicas. Yes, yeah, a uh, brassicaceae family. So all all the uh, all your broccolis, cabbage, cauliflower, that's all part of the uh, broccoli family. That's awesome. 
Yeah. And uh, if you have tomato seeds, you probably want to get them ready right now. Just get them going. And tomato seeds go in the ground now, and then the starts are ready later? No. So you'd probably want to, uh, if you have, like, your kind of summer veggies, if you have, um, like, a little greenhouse or kind of somewhere gotcha. near a window in your house, yeah. just kind of get them ready. Okay. So that one, the uh, kind of the risk of frost goes away. You can get them outside and and get ahead of the, the curve. So, Awesome. Nick, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, Gio. And now, in your imagination, what kind of garden would you plant? What does is, what is your garden look like? I would plant apple trees because I like to eat them. I would plant a gummy bear tree, and I would like an orange tree, and I like strawberries in my garden. I would put a heart with rocks, and then put a pink flower, and I'll water it so it can grow all the flowers in there. If it grows more, then I'll then I'll don't won't do the heart, and I'll put vegetables around it for the peas. I'll put a long red thing and just drop them in. I will just plant a coconut tree and then plant a gumball tree and then plant a and then plant lettuce. And then my my garden will look like very silly. <laughs> I would grow lots and lots of pineapples. Grapes to eat. I wanna grow birds so I can put them out in the wild, and then I can shoot them and eat them. Turkeys! Turkey for dinner. It can look like um, I can plant a lot of food for the peoples in our planet and, and give it to the peoples that don't have money who get the food. See my little 
Is called Little Seed. It's written by Woody Guthrie and performed here by Elizabeth Mitchell. Up next, we have an interview with one of the most amazing petalumens that I have come to know and admire. Tom Gaffey has managed the Phoenix Theater with love and commitment for over 28 years. In fact, he is the one who gave the Phoenix Theater its name. And I think it's safe to say that Tom has been critically instrumental in building and sustaining the Petaluma music scene to be what it is today. And in doing so, he has touched all of our lives. He is a musician himself. He's one, uh, one half of On Stage with Jim and Tom, which is a podcast that uplifts artists and musicians and other local creatives. He is an avid supporter and caretaker of our local youth, a champion of creativity, a destroyer of the doldrums, a lover of good garlic feta dip, and a dear friend to Benedettiville. Ladies and gentlemen, we sent puppet bassmaster Rocco Blastorius, along with Emmeline Benedetti, to talk to Tom Gaffey. Tom, thanks for joining me here at the Phoenix. Well, thanks for coming and joining me at oh, the Phoenix. I appreciate you having us. I love this building, man. I do too. You know, it's, it's been one of my best friends for an awful long time. Yeah? So yeah, it really you got, Like, the building is a friend? Oh, yeah. I come down here every morning and, and uh, I say, hello, building. Hello, Phoenix. Hello, Phoenix. And then it says, that's great, Tom. Glad to see you. By the way, could you get up and clean the bathrooms? Oh. And then, yes, I'll go clean the bathrooms. And then they say, by the way, I was talking with the kitties and they would like to have breakfast a little earlier than you're used to. So could you get down here tomorrow by 9 a.m.? Well, Tom, uh, your building sounds like a very demanding friend. It, you know, it is. It, it's a friend, but it's a demanding friend. Yeah. Does it, uh, as much as it asks for, does it also give? Oh, boy, does it give. What does it give, Tom? Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, for me, it's, it gi- it's always given me a place to go and a place to be. And it's given me something to do, which uh, for someone like me, that's kind of important. If I didn't have anything to do, I wouldn't do anything. 
This is a place where, where beautiful things happen. Yeah. I've seen so many great shows here, Tom. Oh, but so have I. I think the thing that makes me most excited is that a lot of the shows I saw here, the people playing music were really young, and they were just like from Sonoma County. Yes, we, we do an awful lot of that. Uh, a lot of the kids that, you know, the building is open every day for kids that live in, in Petaluma and around us, uh, around Petaluma in Sonoma County. Oh. And we let a lot of those kids themselves go up and play music on the stage. Yeah. So a lot of those kids and then kids from, oh gosh, Ukiah and Lake County and over in Novato and San Rafael and right. uh, just all over the Bay Area, the East Bay. Yeah. Kids, kids like to play music. They do. You know, so Emmy plays music, I think. Yeah, Emmy does. She rocks the piano something fierce. Yeah, she fierce. rocks the piano. Yeah. And, and I'm uh, thinking that one day Emmy's going to come and play some music on our stage. You think, Em? We're going to play on the stage. There's also video games. Yeah, there are video games. There's video games. Do you think if you came here you would play piano or music or video games? Video games. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> hey, Tom, uh... So a lot of kids have like come through and played, and I've seen some great shows. And yep. I guess as a, the guy who like facilitates all these things happening, is there like what's it like when you get to see the kids like tap in to their music, and then some of them really like go on to really cool stuff. Oh, be great players. It's uh, and other great things. Yeah, like all kinds of cool stuff. You know. Uh... And in that line, it's it, it's that's part of why I like the Phoenix so much, and yeah. that's part of what the Phoenix gives to me. It gives a place for myself to play music. Mm -hmm. It gives a place for a lot of my friends to play music, and a lot of the kids to play music. And it's wow. here every day to do that. It just seems like this is just a place where creativity can really thrive, and yeah. I I really appreciate that, Tom. I do too, and yeah. really all I have to do is open the door and listen to the Phoenix, and occasionally do what it tells me to do. Any hopes for the Phoenix that it could still do? Like things, of the potential of this building that has not yet been reached? Oh boy, not yet been reached. You know, when this building was built in 1904, oh. it was built to be an opera house. So all the way back in 1904, it had opera, it had plays, uh, it, has, it had vaudeville and dancing and singing. This is almost the same thing we've been doing. It's just as you watch as the styles change over the last 114 years. That's so long. It's such a long time. I think I've been here for most of that time. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's how long it's been. Uh, but I've noticed over the years that uh, this building has figured out what is needed, what, what is new, what is the style that people want to hear or play down here. And then it makes, that, uh, it makes itself available for that. And I'm thinking uh, one of the greatest achievements for the Phoenix would be for it to be here 100 years from now doing the same thing, maybe even 200 years from now. Yeah. And that's what I keep thinking about all the time. Tom, uh, not only do you facilitate uh, a lot of creativity down here at the building, but you yourself are quite a creative fellow. I've seen you uh, acting in movies. I've seen you on the stage yourself performing, and you also are a songwriter in your own right. That's true. I love writing songs. Good. And so you're, are you still writing songs, bro? Yes, I am, as a matter of fact. You know, nowadays, uh, I just keep writing one-liners, and then you, after about a couple of weeks, you take all these one-liners you wrote in the last couple of weeks, and you string them all together, and you make a song out of that. Well, 
Yeah, when you said I just write one-liners, I was going to say, Tom, that's a very short song. It is a short song. So you have to have like several days in a row to make it all work. Yeah, okay. I see where you're going now. Yeah. Do you need a bass player? Because oh, I'm not yes. talking about this in the abstract, man. I'm saying oh, man. I shred the bass. You mean Rocco Blastoris and Tom Gaffey? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, oh, dude. Oh, anytime. Yeah, okay. Oh, yes. Well, dude, yes, hit, me, I do. hit me up with those one-liner tunes and let's okay. make a record, dude. Oh, Rocco, you got it. I can hardly wait. Yeah, I've got a buddy whose name is John Courage. Do you know that guy? I know John Courage. He's got a studio, and if we went in there, we would make some studio magic, dude. Oh, I would love to do that. I'll tell you what. I'm going to do an interview with John Courage one day, and I'm going to I'm going to hit him with this idea and see if we can do it. I, I'm in. I'm in. You tell John that yeah? uh, that I'm in for real. Yeah, and let's do this. I could play with you. Yeah, on your oh, tunes. Oh yeah. Rock oh, Tom, that would be amazing. Oh come on, Gaffy and Blastoris, you've got to be kidding yeah, me. Yeah, it's a duo for the ages. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The I mean, G and B band or the B and G band. What B do you think? G? Well, well, I think that there's some dudes in a band that sounds very similar that might have issue. There's some BGs out there, Tom. We can't like step BGs. on that. BGs. No. Gee, that's a great name. I'm sorry we didn't get that first. Oh uh, no. I'm a real big fan of everything you do down here. I really appreciate this building and that you make it so available. Gee, Rocco, you know, but the feelings are mutual. The building has always appreciated you. Oh, so, yeah. But thanks, Phoenix Theater. See. That's all it takes is just, yeah, a, just a hearty hello and thank you, Phoenix Theater, every time you come in. Yeah. And this building is pretty much here for you. Well, I'm totally down for that. As long as you remember, you have to be willing to share it with everybody else that comes in. Yeah, uh, sharing it. And be willing to, like, clean a bathroom or two. That's true. If, if you want to stick around, if you want to have Phoenix longevity, yeah. you do have to be willing to clean a bathroom or two. Um, I'd be down for that, Tom, but you <sighs> may have noticed I have no arms, you know? It, that's a problem, but I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, wow. You can almost do the whole thing with your head. Yeah, okay, so that's not gonna happen. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tom, I have no further questions. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the people of Petaluma? Well, come down and, and uh, enjoy the Phoenix. Yeah. And play nice in the pit. That's words to live by. Yeah. Tom, thanks so much for the oh, interview. Oh, my heavens. Uh, Rocco, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed my time here. I did, too. I've had a good time with you. You'll this. be seeing more of me, uh, especially oh, when so. we're working on our record, bro. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. All right. You well, well, you heard it here, folks. We're gonna, it's probably going to be coming at you maybe later 2018. I don't know. The G&Bs. Yeah. It would have been the B&Gs, but apparently our attorney said it can't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Attorney said no. No. Well, thanks very much, and uh, I'm going to pass it back to you in the studio, Gio and Jen. See ya. Bye, Tom. Bye. Look at this Great. We made it. Oh, thank you, Rocco. And thank you, Tom, for that sweet interview. If anyone wants to learn more about how they can continue the legacy of the Phoenix Theater and support its programs for youth, please go to phoenixtheater.com and get involved. Up next, we are very excited and want you guys to get involved with a project here in Benedettiville. Gio, will you please tell everyone what all the excitement is about? Yeah, Gio, what is all this excitement? We really want to know. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we planted story plants. We took little seeds of ideas and planted them in the winter when all we had to do was sit around and think of things, and we took very good care of them. We watered them sang to them, we gave them plenty of sunshine and coffee and all the things that good ideas feed on. And this spring, just now, they've sprouted. 
We have some very nice story plants growing in our backyard now. The stories aren't ripe yet, but there are a few teeny tiny story fruits that have shown up. We picked a few just to read to you on the air. But remember, they aren't ripe yet, so they're probably very short. They might not make lots of sense. But this summer and this fall at harvest time, I think we'll have some wonderful complete stories to share. So here we go. Once upon a time, a squirrel, trees, storm, floating on a stick. The end. (laughs) Definitely not ripe yet. But it's pretty clearly going to be a story about a squirrel, some trees, there's going to be a storm, and something is going to float on a stick. All right? Not too shabby. Uh, Yeah, let's see what else we pick. Here's a very hard and green one. Ahem. Kids, spaceships, aliens, battle. <laughs> That's about as raw as a story can get, but wow, fun times ahead. Who's going to win? How do they battle? Is it a dance battle? Is it a laser battle? Is it a battle of riddles? I can't wait to see how this story grows. Okay, last one for now. This one has a pretty weird shape. It's kind of bumpy. It looks a bit strange. I wonder how this story is shaping up. The tale begins. The old vulture witch looks into her crystal ball. She sees alligators on motorcycles with swords headed to the castle of Princess Koala. Right on! These raw stories are so short, but they are great. They taste pretty sour right now. But even all crunchy and sour, they have lots of vitamin I, which is what you need to keep your imagination strong and healthy. I can imagine the dusty roads with loud motorcycles barreling along, kicking up dirt with lots of alligators and armor and leather jackets, carrying giant swords of all kinds. And there, far off in the distance, there stands a castle. I love it. All right, we'll keep you posted on how these plants grow and what kinds of fruits they bear as the year goes on. Now, it is entirely likely that some of you out there of all ages have planted your own story plants with your own idea seeds. If you have, and if you would care to share what your springtime story fruits are sounding like, we would love to hear it here at Benedettiville. You can send things to us at our email address at mail at benedettiville.com. Or if you are hanging around Sonoma County and you want to hop on down to the mail depot here in Petaluma, we've got a P.O. box over there. It's P.O. box number 336 at the mail depot. You can drop it off yourself or you can just pop it in the mail like you would any other letter. That's P.O. box number 336. Send it to 44th Street. That's the number 40 on 4th Street in Petaluma, California, 94952. I would love to know what kind of fruits are popping up this spring from the story plants of Sonoma County. And beyond. Let's move on to the next thing. In a secret room in a secret building somewhere deep below the city of Postopolis, a message written on a delicious sheet of lasagna has been delivered. That can only mean one thing, that our daring agents of good, Agents Penne and Linguini, have been given another mission. Another mission impossible. Mission Impossible with Agents Penny 
That's a spicy meatball. And linguini. Uh, hey there, you gonna finish that pizza? Huh? Fighting for the good and justice for all of Postopolis. And taking on the fearful and dastardly Don Spaghetti. <laughs> You'll never escape from my little trap. <laughs> yes, welcome to another episode of Mission Impossible! I was getting bored just sitting around headquarters. Yeah, I was not getting bored, Penny. I was finally getting to try out some of these new cookbooks that my noni got me for my birthday. Oh, they're so good. Well, it's time to put the chef's hat away, pizza for brains. We've got a mission. Here we are, agents Penny and Linguini. We have uncovered yet another secret hideout of Don Spaghetti. He has been using secret rooms connected to the famous restaurant Manja. Hey, that's the same name as one of the cookbooks that my noni got me, Manja. Hey, that means eat in Italian. Did you know that that was my very first Linguini. word? Manja. Linguini, Linguini, hey, pay right. attention. Oh, oh yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. Now, where was I? I don't know. Uh, here. Okay. okay, he's been using secret rooms connected to the famous restaurant Manja as the base of operations for his latest evil schemes, fake olive oil. That's so oh. evil. There's an underground factory beneath the restaurant where they take all the restaurant's leftovers, the garbage, and the dirty laundry, and they throw them all into a giant melting pot and boil it all down into oil. Ew. Then they sell it at very expensive prices as extra fancy olive oil. That's terrible. It is not only disgusting, it is against the law. Uh Uh-oh. To get into the restaurant, you'll need the help of undercover agents Capellini and Farfalle. They have been working undercover as waitresses at Manja for months. They will assist you once you get in. They will know which waitresses are agents by using the agent's secret identification codes. Your mission is this. Listen up. Get into the restaurant, Manja, shut down the olive oil factory, and capture Don Spaghetti. Right. Now eat this message before it can fall into the wrong hands. Okay, yeah, that was a big message, which means more lasagna for me. Come here, you sweet little message. Oh, mm, oh, oh, it's extra garlicky today. It's delicious. Phew! Mm, 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 mm. Point that garlic ah. breath somewhere else. We need to get ready. Linguini, agents Capellini and Fafali are going to be waiting for us stasera. Uh, what does stasera mean? It means tonight. Didn't you know me ever teach you anything? Yeah, yeah, sure she did. She taught me to never burn the sofrito. She taught me how to fill ravioli. She taught me how to sneak the biscotti when my nono wasn't looking. That's I should have known. Oh, yeah. Now, come yeah. on. We need to get to that restaurant. Right, old Penny. I can't wait. We're going to go to Manja. I'm going to wear my best bib. And find a mint or a gum or something. Your breath is terrible. Okay, yeah, well, we got to find some mints or something. I don't know. Later that night, dressed in their finest clothes, our pair of snazzy spies walk down the red carpet towards the heavy, gold-encrusted door of Manja, Postopolis's finest restaurant. They are met at the entrance by two young waitresses. Ciao. Benvenuto a Manja. That means welcome to Manja, Lumini. Would you like a table for two? 
And that means, would you like a table for two? Don't get funny. We're on a mission. Also, your breath is still awful. Now it just smells like garlic from a few hours ago. Blech. Now, Linguini, remember the secret identification codes for agents. We have to see if these waitresses are our undercover contacts. Secret identification codes? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, sure I remember those, I guess. Of course you don't remember the codes. Well, keep quiet and follow my lead, garlic breath. <clears throat> yes, we would like a table for two. Also, <clears throat> I hear the risotto is good here. Especially with extra pepper. Oh yeah, extra pepper. And also I recommend a secret sauce. The secret sauce is excellent. But whatever you do, don't order the spaghetti. What? Wait, what? I, I heard that the spaghetti here was delicious. You know, I was even thinking about ordering the spaghetti alle vongole because clams are in season, you know? Quiet, Linguini. What? This is all part of the secret identification codes. Oh, yeah. Hey, is that why you guys are talking so funny and waggling around your eyebrows so yes. much? Yes. Now be quiet. Okay, okay, okay. Also, every time you say something, I feel my eyes starting to water. Really stinky. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I hate spaghetti. Linguini, say it. But but I love spaghetti. It's the code, Linguini, say it. Okay, okay. I hate spaghetti. Nice to meet you, fellow agents. My name is Agent Farfalla. And I'm Agent Coppolini. We're, We're very glad, glad you're here. here. Oh, and I am very glad that I'm here. It smells delicious. Let's sit down and order right away. Come on. Yes, that's the plan. We'll see you at that table there, near the bathrooms. We will bring you the appetizers. Hidden inside the appetizers are two keys. There are secret doors behind the mirrors in both bathrooms. The keys will unlock the secret doors. Unlock the doors and follow the passageway. The passageway will lead you to the oil factory. Um, so, so do we eat the appetizers? Also, what are the specials? Linguini, if you complete this mission, I'll buy you everything in the restaurant. But no eating until the mission is complete. Capisce? Yeah, capito. Bennett. Now, Capolini and I will take you to your seats. Penne and Linguini are escorted by our undercover agents to an elegant table set with candles and shining silverware. It is very near the entrance to the bathrooms. Here you are. Your appetizers will be out shortly. Thanks. Uh, that's an appetizer that we can't eat. That's not an appetizer. That's like a... It's a hungritizer. You're gonna get a slapatizer if you don't snap out of your food dreams and get on with our mission. You remember the plan? Yeah, yeah, I remember the plan. Okay, here are your appetizers. Enjoy. Also, take these mints. If there's any trouble, crack them apart. That will activate our agent's alarms. Thanks. You found your key, Linguini? Yeah, yeah, I got my key. All right, I'll head for the bathroom. And I'll be in my bathroom, right? I'll see you in the secret passageway. And so, moments later, in their respective bathrooms... Linguini! 
Yeah, thanks, I found it. Ooh, fancy. And there's the locked door. Mr. Linguini? Uh, you'll have to come with us. Hey, Penny, did some very large goons just come into your bathroom? Yeah, yeah, they're tying me up very tight. Hey, and they're pretty rough. I can't remember, Penny, was this part of the plan? No, definitely not part of the plan. Not part of your plan, perhaps, my tricksy little agents, but certainly part of mine. Don Spaghetti. I think you wanted to see my little uh, oil factory, yes? Bene, so you shall. I will let you see every part of it as you are boiled down and bottled. <laughs> I will be with you down below in a moment. But the risotto I ordered has just come to my table. Please excuse me. Take them away, my goons. Oh, uh, you heard the boss. Now come along to the factory. There are a few rules with this. Rule one, be quiet. Rule two, don't try and get away. We are professional goons. It won't work. Rule three, please walk carefully and respectfully down to your terrible oily doom, okay? Okay then, let's go. Hey, Panic, I can't reach my mint. It's in my front pocket, but I'm tied up too tight. Same here. These goons are real pros, Penny. I can't budge these knots at all. Me either. This doesn't look good. Quit your chit-chat, you two. Yeah, now that was the first rule that I just got done telling you. Sheesh. Now come on, keep moving. Keep going on. Now. Yeah, and so moving. we must leave our heroes this week, trust and tide being led to their doom below the streets of Postopolis. While the wicked Don Spaghetti enjoys a warm and delicious bowl of risotto. Will this be the end of our agents? Will evil prevail? Will the risotto be rich, creamy, yet still have that perfect al dente texture and well-balanced flavors? Find out in next week's conclusion to Mission Impossible! part about gardening? Weeding, that's what. Pulling all those rotten, pokey, nasty, ugly weeds up out of your garden. Your knees will get scraped, and your back gets sore, and your hands get dirty, and if you're like most gardeners, you hate weeding. So call me. I love pulling out weeds. Pay me, and I'll come do your weeding for you. Just don't ask me what I do when I gather up all the weeds that I pull and load them up into my large black bus. That's n that's none of your business. You just asked me to pull the weeds. You didn't say what I could or couldn't do with the weeds, right? So just think about how much time you'll save not having to go out and weed your garden. I have very reasonable rates and I'm very fast in pulling weeds. 
and I always clean up after myself. Yeah, I won't even leave a single weed in your yard. I'll pull them out of your garden and load them into that big black bus and you'll never see them again. In fact, no one will ever see them again ever. It's almost as though the weeds were being devoured, you know, by a large weed-eating yordle beast. <laughs> I mean, if that existed, which it doesn't, doesn't exist. Just made that up just now. <laughs> I mean, if someone did have a large and ravenous weed-eating yordle beast, a job weeding gardens would be perfect because then the weeding person would get money and you'd also have food for the hungry creature at the same time. I mean, if, if somebody thought of that, they'd be really clever. But very made up, right? Imaginary, not real at all. And they wouldn't drive a big black bus, ever. So, in conclusion, call me and I'll do the weeding. And if you see a black bus around town or in your neighborhood, please stay away, especially if you've been near any kind of field or park or weeds. <laughs> Call me! Once upon a time, there was a gardener. She had a big, fine garden. It was early spring, and the garden was full of lovely leafy greens, lettuce, kale, arugula, spinach, all wonderful, salady, tasty, leafy things. This gardener, however, had a problem. Snails. Whenever the gardener would go out to grab a leaf or two or something for her salad, she would find happy little hungry snails crawling all over her plants. Our gardener in this story happened to be a very kind-hearted gardener, and she would not smash the snails. She wouldn't kill them or cook them up with butter. No, she would take them and put them in a shady, overgrown, weedy corner of the yard, far away from her garden of tasty salady plants, but very close to her raspberry patch. Perhaps she learned this kindness to animals from her best friend, a zookeeper at the local zoo. Perhaps she was just naturally kind to animals. We don't know. The important thing to keep in mind, though, is that three times a day, our kind-to-animals gardener would be picking up snails and relocating them. It got to be so that there was a very large snail population in the weedy, shady, overgrown corner of the yard next to the raspberry patch. Our gardener was kind, but she was also a bit impatient. She loved, more than anything else in the world, raspberries. And she was tired of eating salads of leafy greens three times a day, when what she really wanted, wanted more than anything in the universe, was to eat a giant, juicy raspberry. But her raspberry plants were only just beginning to show their green leaves. The fruits wouldn't be ripe until summer. And she couldn't wait a whole nother three months. There just had to be a way to get raspberries to grow faster, she thought to herself. And with this thought very strong in her mind, she got in her little red rickety old car and puttered off to the garden store. What? No, we don't have anything to make raspberries grow faster. You'll just have to wait until summer, said a rather surprised, almost insulted woman behind the counter of the garden store. The store was called The Queen's Lilac, and our gardener decided it was entirely too stuffy and rude for her. She got back in the car and puttered off to another garden shop. This one specialized in berries. It was called a Berry Merry Garden. 
Our gardener did not like the name, but she had hoped that that silly name was a sign of silly people, and she always got along well with silly people. Wow, I wish I could help, but we don't have anything that could make raspberry plants grow faster. Sorry, said the man with the bushy mustache behind the counter. Our gardener bought a bag of tomato seeds. She couldn't help it. She loved buying seeds. And she thanked the man with the bushy mustache and left. She puttered her way to the only other garden store nearby, a more ramshackled, sprawling place on the outside of town. It was called the Guardian's Gardens. It seemed mysterious, and what with that large stone statuary right out front, it had a rather mystical ambiance. An old woman in a cream-colored shawl was just hanging the closed to humans sign on the door when our gardener pulled up. Hmm, well, we're closed, snapped the woman in the shawl. But even if we were open, I don't think I have anything that could make a raspberry grow any faster than Mother Nature. The look of despair and defeat on her gardener's face must have been obvious. The woman in the cream-colored shawl softened and sighed. Well, if you really want to grow a raspberry faster than you ought to, there is one other thing you could try. And then she told our gardener with very specific directions and drew a very specific map. The gardener thanked the woman in the shawl and drove off terribly excited. She followed the directions on the map exactly. She turned onto a long and winding road that led to the hillside behind town. She'd never been on that road before. It was long and led her deep into the hills. And after a considerable amount of time, she turned onto a narrower, curvier dirt road. And this led still deeper into the hills. She checked the map and directions often to make sure she was still going the right way, getting nervous. She made still another turn onto a smaller, curvier gravel road that was so beat up and tiny it was really more of a path. Her old red car sputtered and scraped and bounced along. Finally, after nearly giving up hope, the gardener turned a corner and there, before her, nestled in a valley between two green hills was an overgrown sod roof hut. And oh, oh my God goodness, my gracious, there around the hut were the most incredible sights our gardener had ever seen. A head of lettuce as tall as an apple tree, a cucumber on the vine as big as a fallen log, and there, climbing its way over the arbor in the hut's front yard, a blackberry vine as thick as her leg, and blackberries fully ripe and ready to burst, as large as her head. She had come to the right place. She hurried to the front door, and she knocked politely. Go away, shouted the voice inside. I'd like to grow raspberries very quickly and very large, just like your blackberries, explained the gardener through the door. And I'd like you to go away, said the old voice inside. The woman at the guardian's garden sent me, said the gardener. And I'm sending you back said the voice inside. Please, asked the gardener, putting all of her love of gardening and raspberries into that please. The voice inside grumbled. There were some sounds of glasses tinkling together, of footsteps, of a cat, more footsteps, and then the door cracked open. A long nose poked out, and a long arm with long bony fingers 
clutching a small spray bottle, reached toward the gardener. Here, take this, the long-nosed shadowy figure said, and whatever you do, only spray it on the raspberries, you got it? Only the raspberries. I got it, thank you, ever so much, said the gardener. (laughs) Harumphed the long-nosed figure, and the door slammed shut. The gardener raced her little red car home, cradling the little spray bottle in her arm all the way back. She couldn't get the images of those huge ripe berries out of her head. She was daydreaming all the way about raspberries the size of basketballs, of springtime raspberries, thinking of all the wonderful things she would bake with raspberries in them. She was so happily daydreaming and thinking of her wonderful spray that she didn't notice the weather. Even after she had pulled up to her house and gotten out of the car and the wind blew her little gardening bonnet right off her head, she didn't seem to notice. And she was so excited that she ran right to her raspberry patch with her little spray bottle and she didn't so much as glance up at the dark clouds gathering or notice the way the wind whipped the tree limbs. She was so focused now on the delightfully gigantic raspberries that she hoped to have that she didn't even notice how. Even now, as she sprayed the wondrous spray at her raspberry patch, the gusty, blustering wind that blew those precious drops of spray all over the garden. All over the garden. But mostly, dear listener, mostly into that nearby, shadowy, overgrown, weedy corner of the yard. She emptied the spray bottle. Nothing happened. She waited. Nothing. Well, shucks, she thought. She'd just have to go to bed and wait for the next morning. She went inside, thawed out some frozen raspberries for dinner, and made herself a smoothie. She wasn't so... She she was so raspberry-focused that she didn't even make a salad. She just went to bed. And then she didn't fall asleep for hours. She laid there tossing and turning with excitement for her garden and her raspberries and that strange spray. Finally, late, late at night, she slept. She awoke the next morning to a terrible crash. The whole house shook. She shot up in bed. There was another terrific crash and a rumble, and the house shook again. Earthquake, thought the gardener. The ground rumbled, and the house shook, and she heard several more crashes. The noise seemed to be coming from outside. She stumbled sleepily over to the window and pulled back the curtains. And there, peering right into her window, were two huge, slimy eyes on two huge, slimy stalks. Eek! she screamed. And she pulled the curtains close and dove under her bed. She laid there shivering, the house shaking, the ground rumbling, and noises outside crashing and smashing about all the while. But our gardener was a brave woman, and once she got over the shock of that giant slimy eye, she got up and she went back to the window. She pulled the curtain back slowly and peered out over the windowsill. There were the two giant slimy eyes on giant slimy stalks, and connected to the giant slimy stalks was a giant slimy body. And the giant slimy body disappeared into a giant, shining, armored shell. It was a snail. 
a snail that was so big it was peering into her second story window. She looked around the street. There were lots of snails. So many snails, all of them as big as two-story houses, sliming their way across lawns, down streets, into trees, on roofs, giant snails infesting her neighborhood. This was not good, she thought. Not good at all. podcasts can be found or just link to it from our website at Benedettiville. We hope you will join us next week, folks, here on KPCA 103.3 FM or streaming live on the net at kpca.fm. Until then, let's all do something nice for someone. And stay tuned for the Vandermix coming up next here on KPCA LP, Petaluma, California, 103.3 FM. Goodbye, Bye. everyone. Bye. Bye.